you can remain seated. I'll just, uh, I'm going to read a couple scriptures, and then we'll get started. Leviticus uh, chapter 7, verses 11 through 12. Verse 11 says, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. I like fried. Every once in a while, I tell my wife, "Hey, I need you to. I need I need the oil changed in me. I need something fried." <clears throat> Leviticus seven and sixteen says, "But if." The sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering shall be eaten the same day that the, that he offereth his sacrifice and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. You may be seated. Lord, we thank you today, God, for this day and for your mercy and your grace. We ask that you let your word go forth and do that which it is commissioned to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The two scriptures that I read to you today, if you notice the beginning scripture verse 11 talked about <clears throat> the sacrifice of peace offerings the peace offering was significant and applicable to two types of other more detailed offerings and those were the thanksgiving offering and the offering of a vow if you notice the scripture spoke of those uh, in verse 12. spoke of the thanksgiving offering and spoke of the, the vow offering. The common denominator between these two offerings, and, men, and realize that in, in Old Testament times, there were many offerings that were required or, or many offerings that, were performed throughout the lifetime and lifespan of an individual's life. Um, there was the offering of atonement. There was the offering of trespass. There was the offering of sin. There were different offerings, and each one of them had specific rituals or principles or, or um, um, parameters that they had to be performed and functioned within. But the peace offering was different from most all offerings in the fact that it applied to two things. It applied to thanksgiving or it applied to a vow. And mainly the vow, a lot of times, was associated with um, the, the vow of a Nazarite, like when Samson was born, and he was a Nazarite, and he couldn't cut his hair, and he couldn't touch unclean things, and he couldn't drink of the the uh, the vine, he couldn't drink wine, and uh, <clears throat> the vow offering and the Thanksgiving offering were the same. In, Levit in Leviticus 19 and 5, it says, and if you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings, Remember, the peace offering 
represented the thanksgiving and the vow offering. Unto the Lord, you shall offer it at your own will. In other words, those two offerings were offerings that were not required. God did not require them like he did the atonement offering and the trespass offering and, and so on and so forth. And the main one that I want to speak about this morning or teach about is the thanksgiving offering and <clears throat> um, how that God did not require an individual to give a thanksgiving offering or a vow offering in that sense. And it was called the peace offering is what the, the main title was. Um, in our lives, you know, I, I say this quite often, and life is hard. Life is difficult a lot of times. And there are things that happen in our lives that there is no rhyme or reason or even human understanding to what has taken place and what has transpired. I, I find myself saying this, uh, this a little more often. You got to be tough to get old. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm not real old, but man, some days I feel like that cereal box snap, crackle, and pop. And things hurt that used to, I didn't even know that, that you know, you're back and you're, you can't sleep at night. And what is the deal with all this? But, but life is hard. You know, a lot of times in my life, and a lot of times I use myself as a reference. And if you get bored of that, I apologize. I don't know what else to do, but. Whenever I was coming up through the ranks of work, um, there were there were um, different people that I encountered that reacted and did things different, and uh, I would look at that and I would examine that and I would wonder, well, I see this guy going up the ladder and I see this one not so much, and and I would analyze that and look at that and. Finally, one day, I just came to the conclusion that all of these people, no matter what they were doing or who they were harming or who they were trying to undercut or whatever they were trying to do, at the end of the day, they were all trying to make a living. They were trying to have a job, keep a job, and, and make a living for themselves and their families. And so I, I say that a lot of times, you know, somebody will come to me, you know, so-and-so is blah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they, they might not be as smart as you or, or they may not be as dedicated as you or, or they may not do what we think is the right thing. But you know what? I said they probably have a family and they're trying to support their family and they're trying to do the right thing for their family. They might not be doing the right thing at work. They might not be, be doing what I think they should do or what you think you should do. But at the end of the day, all they're really trying to do is take care of themselves and take care of their families by getting up in the morning and coming to work 
and and putting in their eight hours or their ten hours or their twelve hours or their fourteen hours or whatever it may be for them and trying to survive and make another day. And, and a lot of times in life, when we get up in the morning, it's a chore. It's a, it's a job. It's hard because of the circumstances and the situation that life has thrown at us and the things that it has done to us. And, and many times when those situations and those circumstances arise in our life and they come at us and, and we're in the midst of all that and it's like a, a fog or a hurricane, a big storm in our lives and, and we look around and we wonder, what, how did I get here? What is my, my situation or my circumstance? Why did I have to be placed here? And... I don't have an answer for that, and many people do not have an answer for that. And sometimes we may not receive the answer ever in this lifetime. But one thing that I do understand is that when we find ourselves in a situation or a circumstance that puts us in a place where we feel so small, so menial, so unable within ourselves to do anything or to uh, uh, function properly. The one thing that we have to do is we have to find something that is greater than what we are as a person. You know, many times throughout the Bible, individuals were tasked with difficulties. The situation or the circumstance are not to be marginalized. They're real and they're life-altering. They change who we are. They change what we are. They change our environment. They change the world that we lived in. And many times, we don't understand and we don't know how to handle it. And, and we don't know what to do or where to go. But if we will turn and we will look for something outside of ourselves that is greater than what we are or what the circumstances in our lives, many times it can help us. In Second Kings, Samaria was under siege. You know, people are starving. Things are dire. The king is walking on the wall, and a lady hollers up to him and says, Hey, king, I have a matter. And he says, Who am I? Do you think I am the Lord? What can I do? We're under siege. We don't have no food. We don't, we don't have anything. How, what makes you think that I can make a difference? And she begins to tell a story of how her and another lady conspired to, to eat their children and that they were going to eat one one day and one the next and how that the second lady had hid hers. And the king was distraught and he, he didn't know what to do. And many times in our lives, we come to circumstances and we don't know what to do. You know, the prodigal... The prodigal father, imagine, imagine yourself, and many of us can here today, think here he has nurtured this young man. 
He has risen him up in the church, in the truth. He has taught him the ways of the Lord and, 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 and given him an opportunity to not experience the difficulties and the hardships that come along. The Bible says that sin is a hard taskmaster. It also says sin is a pleasure for a season. And as you see in the prodigal's life, he had fun on riotous living and, and he partied it up and he did whatever. But it, in the end, his taskmaster was more than he could take. But if you look at the father and you imagine the anguish because the Bible says that he looked afar off. He was always looking for his son to return. And so the anguish and the life-altering event that took place in this father's life had to, had to uh, uh, change and affect him in such a way that he questioned who he was and what he taught and what he believed in. But he also believed and he had faith. The man of the Gadarenes, I don't know if I said that right, he was out of his mind. He would break chains. He, he, would, uh, he was harming himself. He caused fearfulness and frightful, frightened people throughout the country. And, and his life was in total disarray and total distress. And, and there, was no, there seemed no freedom for him. There seemed no way out. Jarius. This struck me kind of hard this morning you know that Jarius was one of the rulers of the synagogue and the Sanhedrin are the priests the people that were over the rulers and all of the synagogues and the religion of that time you know how they felt about Jesus they falsely accused him. They brought him before the court. They had him flogged and, and beaten, and then they killed him. But this man came to Jesus. He was one of the rulers of the synagogue. His life circumstance was dire. His daughter was sick. She was ill, and he needed something, some way, somehow, to, to, to bring clarity, but, but that's not the situation or the outcome that I want you to look at, but I want you to look at the fact that Jarius was desperate and, and, and his life was, was uh, he had this situation and this circumstance in his life and he knew not what to do with it. He didn't know how to handle it. His, 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 um, his life-altering event was his daughter. There were ten lepers that cried unto Jesus from afar off. We know the story. Only one returned. And, and that one, the Bible says, was a Samaritan. And then it says, he fell down and he gave thanks unto the Lord. Now, there was no hope. There was no way. His life had been changed, altered, destroyed, matter of fact, by a disease, by something that he had no control over. And, and what I'm trying to portray to you this morning is all through the Bible, people face difficult events. 
and we face difficult events in our lives. And you can tell the story better than I can because you've probably been through a tougher situation or a tougher circumstance than I have. And please, I'm not trying to marginalize any of those because some of them are day-to-day and they're, and they're every day and they're in your face and they're and they're and there the, the pain is there every day and the hurt is there every day and the and the reminder is there and, and some days you are at your wits end like the king and and things are so dire and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn and you don't know how to handle it and you know of all of these individuals that I discuss they had amazingly tough circumstances that were facing them and situations in their lives. It was true. It was real to them. It wasn't some fairy tale and it wasn't something that was made up. And sometimes people will tell me a story about something in their life and I think to myself, oh Lord, how horrible, how 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 life-altering that is. What what can what could possibly how can it, people can't make this stuff up? They can't. How does this happen? And many times I see individuals, whenever those situations or circumstances arise in their life, they react in three to four different ways. One, they box themselves up. They try to isolate themselves just like the king did. He, he tried to, to be above the fray. He tried to make it look as though he was okay. But underneath, he was hurting and he was, he was distraught. And he didn't know what to do for his people. And, and we try to find a place where we can find some, some seclusion from it all, from everyone. From people saying, oh, I understand. You don't really understand. Because if you've never been there, if you've never experienced it, if you've never had the taste of that, you don't understand. About the only thing you can say is, I'm sorry. That's about it. Because you can sympathize somewhat, but you cannot understand until you've been through that type of situation. Some people are, are, are stand up head and shoulders tall and they try to take control of the situation and, and try to make everybody think that they're strong and they're capable and they're able. But underneath and on the inside, every day their life is altered. Their, their, their whole world is destroyed and within them it doesn't seem as they're as strong as what they make out to be. Some become angry and they try to marginalize others involved around them. Those that they feel like they should blame. And the anger boils up in them. And that is a situation in life where we try and we say, I'm so angry, I'm so mad. And you want to attack this or attack that. And you want the reason that you desire to to. Uh, lash out at that is so that you can attempt to destroy it and to marginalize it and to shrink it and to make it something less than what it is. But it doesn't work. And life is hard. The fourth circumstance that you find is sometimes all three of these apply in our lives. 
in when we come up against the circumstance or situation we box ourselves up for a time or we try to take control in the beginning and then we withdraw and then we become anger and all of these emotions are okay because you are facing something you are dealing with something that has changed and altered your world and your environment and it's touched you and it's harmed you and it's hurt you and it's changed you from within and from without. And to not know how to deal with it and not know what circumstances are the outcome or the reason why we're human and it's okay. But we can't stay in that state. We have to move on. You see, when those situations and circumstances, when they arise, they can bring us to our wits end. Our minds, our emotional well-being can't comprehend sometimes situations in our lives. But in those cases... If we can find something greater than the situation or the circumstance that we are in, it can help us through it. The common denominator in all of these, in all of the, all of the individuals that I read to you about the Bible, the common denominator was the Lord God Almighty. And He is a merciful God. And there are things that we can never understand and we can never comprehend that we go through. But God is still great. And God is still good. And if we can learn to rely on Him in any situation, in any circumstances, it doesn't matter. God can help us through those things. We may not get the answer we want. We may not find the reason behind what is going on. We may not like the outcome of it. But in the end, finding something greater than what we are facing is the only way that we can make it through. God is great in every way. And that greatness is to be valued. And it should be obvious to everyone. Romans 1 and 20 and 21 says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His internal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, sometimes the greatness of God is before us, and we overlook it in some situations and circumstances, and 
in the moment, in the time, and, and we react the way we react. And some people want to condemn that and say, well, if they would just do this or if they would just do that. No, 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 no. You don't have the authority to say that. You don't have the ability to be able to say that. Their, their whole life has been wrecked. Their, their situation has changed and it's altered from within. You have to give an individual time for those flood of emotions to be overcame. To find a place of stability once again. To find something that says, hey, this, this was really hard. This really knocked me off my rocker. I might have been walking this way, but now I don't know which way. I'm walking the fog of life that has come. You don't, you don't just throw that out there. They just need to do it this way or that way. No, no, no. And you might say within yourself, well, if it was me, I would. No, you don't know. Can I offer you, if you really want to say that, what you might want to say is, I hope by the grace of God, if this ever happens to me, that I handle it this way or that way. Because it is only by the grace and the mercy of God that when we are, are knocked off of our feet by things that happen to us, it is only by the mercy and the grace of God that we are able to, to gather our thoughts and pull ourselves back together and try to form and get up and walk again. But God is great even before He does anything for us. God is magnificent before He ever steps on the scene. God has not changed. He is the Almighty. Psalms 147 and 5 says, Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Revelations 11 and 17 saying, We give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Nahum 1 and 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Romans 11 and 3 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. Proverbs 3 and 19, The Lord by wisdom had founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Psalms 57 and 10, For the mercy... For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Psalms 103 and 11, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. John 1, 1 through 4, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. God is great. He didn't need any help when He 
stood at the eons of time and, and, and the, the abyss of nothing and he spoke the world into existence and he separated the dark light from the dark and he took man out of the dust of the earth and made him a living soul and he created the animals and, and, and he made everything function properly and, and correctly with carbon and oxygen and this and that and, and, and enough dew to keep the plants and this seed's going to come after that seed. Everything was perfect. God is awesome. Before he ever um, um, extended his grace to us, before he ever extended salvation to us, before he ever extended his love for us, God is great and God is awesome. And the Bible says with with God, all things are possible. Because God is greater than us. And God is greater than any situation. And God is greater than any circumstance in our life. We want a certain outcome. We want it to happen a certain way. But sometimes life doesn't afford us that. But when we involve God, God can help us. And God can strengthen us. And God can help us make it through fog of life. David said, I will magnify God with thanksgiving. The word magnify can be used in two different senses. It can mean to make something appear greater than it is. As in with the example of a microscope. So they can take a microscope. They can look at these germs and put them under this microscope that are so so microscopic, they're so small, the naked eye can't see them. They live in our water, they live in, in our food, they live in, in, in different areas, but we can't see them, but they're there. But they could take this microscope, and, and the technology today is so, uh, so, so advanced that they can see things that are very tiny and... Uh, very small. How many of you have read the news about the black hole this week? The picture of the black hole. How many of you know that that is not an actual photo of the black hole? It is an algorithm, a computer-generated calculation, an algorithm. What they did is an engineer from MIT sent out a radio wave to a distant galaxy and those rodeo waves bounce back and by those waves that bounce back they were able to develop this image because the galaxy is so far away where this black hole is that there's no telescope that can reach that far so this is how it was developed it's really not the actual photo of the black hole but it is a image that was developed 
off of the frequencies that bounce back from this black hole. Why do you say all that? I, I just found it intriguing because we have the Hubble telescope and we have all of these telescopes and we have these magnifiers and they mean two different things. Or it can mean make something that may seem small or insignificant to be as great as it really is. That is what our great telescopes help us begin to do with the magnificent universe. We couldn't tell, we couldn't see all the greatness and how great the Milky Way is and how awesome it is and how breathtaking it is. I don't know if you've ever been, I've, I used to go to Lano every year hunting and, and when you get there there's no street lights, it's, it's secluded and it's dark and I used to go out. I would stay up till 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and lay on the hood of my car and look out into the Milky Way. And to see the, the true stars and the galaxy and, and all of the things that are out there, and you look at that in awe and you wonder just how big and how great it is. And it was all created by a great, big God. So there are two kinds of magnifying. There's a microscope magnifying and a telescope magnifying. The one makes a small thing look bigger than it is. The other make a big thing big begin to look as big as it really is. And sometimes in our situation, in our life circumstances, we don't need a microscope to look at the situation we're in but we need a telescope to find out just how great and awesome our God is because he is mighty and before he's ever done anything for us he was great and mighty if we desire to have an opportunity to be consumed we must find something that is greater than what is attempting to destroy us yes it hurts every day and we don't understand it every day but when you involve God and you make him greater than what your situation is and what your circumstance is it gives you the opportunity to make it through we may not see him that way we might not have an understanding of all of it but we must magnify him with telescope fashion you may wonder, well, just how exactly is that done? How do I magnify God in telescope fashion? Well, the Bible gives us that answer. Psalms 34 and 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 69 and 30, I will praise the name of the Lord with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving you see if you really want to give God and find God and find his greatness and use a telescope mentality whatever your situation or circumstance is 
You have to find it within yourself to say no matter what, God, no matter where I'm at, no matter where I'm dwelling, no matter how bad I'm hurting, I know you're great. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I might not be able to thank you for what I'm going through, God. But one thing I can do is thank you for how great you are. For how magnificent you are. I might not be able to thank you because of all the pain that I feel. On the inside. But all I know is that if I don't do something, it's going to consume me. It's going to consume my environment. It's going to consume who I am. But if I can find a place to magnify you and to thank you like a telescope, I can find out just how great you are, God. And I can find peace in you. You see, thanksgiving is not required. It's optional. And when life, when life knocks you down and kicks you in the teeth, it's not easy to say, hey, God, I just want to give you a big shout out. Thank you. Because your situation is real. It's not to be marginalized. But I can attest to you that if you can find it within yourself to find something greater than what that circumstance or that situation is, and you begin to thank Him. He will come in like a flood and he will raise up a standard against it and he will give you comfort and he will help you every day when you get out of bed and your heart is hurting and your mind is aching and there's a fog around you. But God is great and he's greatly to be praised. And from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. Enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanksgiving is optional. You don't have to do it. But I want to admonish you this morning. If life has caused you the, the, the heartaches that it can, if you can find a place to magnify God with that telescope and you can do it through thanksgiving, he will give you strength. He will give you grace. He will give you mercy that you've never understood or cannot understand. Psalms 103, 1 through 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, the Bible says to us that there's times and there's situations in our lives. We don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. We just know that we need to. And whenever you can 
gather up in yourself and you can just begin to mutter the words of the Lord and begin to thank Him. There is something on the inside of us called a soul, the Spirit. It begins to take over for us and it begins to cry out to God with utterings that cannot be understood, that cannot be comprehended because they're not human language. They're language to God and God understands and He takes your tears and He puts them in a bottle because he cares he cares no matter how big the circumstance may seem if we work it's a duty it's a job sometimes to have a telescope on God's greatness we can find a comforter and assist us throughout the breadth of our situation. And that magnification of God is only accomplished through thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you today, God, for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your word today, Lord. God, let it do that, which you commissioned it to do today, Lord. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> this concludes the uh, morning service, the Sunday school portion. We'll gather here in the auditorium at 11 o'clock to continue on with our worship service. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord.